You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. This morning, we are glad that you're here, and it just does my heart good watching families, individuals, men, women, young and old, bringing their copy of God's Word with them to church. And we've got a few copies still at the Connection Center, and if we need, if we run out completely, we'll order some more. Uh, But we want you to be tracking with us as we study the Gospel of Mark. It's the story of Jesus Christ. And we've been answering the question, who is Jesus most recently? And as we've been understanding who Jesus is, we've seen that Jesus has experienced some opposition. And it's somewhat unfortunate, but it's no question the opposition is primarily coming from religious Leaders And last week we talked about tradition and religion. And Jesus was coming in and he was reinterpreting the law. And we said last week that Jesus, he's a lot of things, but he was not religious. We said that religion can suck the life out of a person if you're so rigid, so many rules, so many regulations. And what Jesus offered, it was a new day was new opportunity, and he offered the idea uh, that we should embrace change and that we should be flexible and moldable and not brittle and hard because the gospel is advancing, the gospel is expanding. Remember the illustration of the wine last week? And we understand as well that religion, if we get caught up in that in tradition, it can lead to legalism, condemnation, and no one wants that. But today, we're going to continue the story in Mark chapter 2. And I'm sad to say, at least for Jesus and his disciples, the opposition continues as well. Let's turn to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to dive into God's Word. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23. Page 16, if you're tracking along with us in this little guide. Uh, Otherwise, uh, grab your copy of God's Word as well. It says, on uh, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did? When he was in the need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of uh, sorry, uh, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is, is not lawful for any of the priests to, uh, but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not for the man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. I want you to write down, and like I did in the uh, side of my uh, copy here, take a day off. And that's going to be our big takeaway today. But let's pray and, uh, and we'll get there eventually. Lord, I pray that these few words, this little story, would capture our hearts and our minds. And Lord, that you would do in these next few moments what only you can do. Lord, move in this place. Lord, help us, God, 
to understand what's happening here, but Lord, get our mind around and then put into action what you have designed for us to do. Lord, we thank you that you're helping us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Before we get to the idea of taking a day off, I want to explain a couple different categories in this story. The first is the Pharisees. Now, when I think about Pharisees and when I look at uh, the story of, you know, throughout the Gospels and you read about Pharisees, there are times I think, man, the Pharisees, they get a bad rap. And then other times, like this story, I think they get just about what they deserve. They're, they're not so great. And unfortunately, and in this story, the Pharisees, their, pri- their priorities were wrong and they were confused. Now, Pharisees were different than the priests. They were not on the same level. But N.T. Wright says that they were the religious and political pressure group for nearly 200 years before Jesus came. They were an unofficial party, so it wasn't like they were voting people in. They were self-chosen, and this was interesting when I was studying. They had no authority to make laws or to enforce them. But they did... They were prided uh, to be the watchdogs of the law. They were making sure that the law was being met. The Pharisees had considerable influence over ordinary people, no doubt, and they were respected as experts of ancestral law and tradition. I have to believe that some Pharisees were wise, devout, holy men, but certainly there were those, like in our story today, that were basically nosy journalists, self-appointed guardians of the public morality, and they certainly were law keepers. And I did a little deep dive into the laws of the Old Testament. We're going to talk about the Ten Commandments in a moment, and there, you think, oh, there's Ten Commandments. Well, actually, when you look at the Old Testament in its entirety, there are actually 613 different laws. And I read them all this week. I got them printed here. There actually were 248 that were positive commandments, and then 365 that were negative. And what is crazy to me is you start looking over all of these laws, all of these rules, I mean pages and pages, this would be overwhelming. How many of us have hard time just maintaining the first 10, right? And you say uh, 613, this was ridiculous, right? A lot to keep track of. And in our story today, the Pharisees normally wouldn't care about grain, people walking through fields, right? But Jesus, in his entourage, they were making a name for themselves. And they remember, we've been answering the question, who is Jesus? And we, they, we've already seen that he's a healer. He was a teacher. He was a forgiver of sins. He was a friend of sinners. We said last week that he was not religious, and he was not like the Pharisees at all. But was he the Messiah? And as we get our, our, uh, our mind around this passage... We're going to see, and I didn't see this until I really dove in, that this message, this passage unfolds a messianic proclamation that Jesus is who he said he is. He is Messiah. And so the the Pharisees, they had this extra eye on Jesus. And I'm sure some were goodwilled, others weren't. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We want to talk about Pharisees first. But then the second thing I want to talk about is the Sabbath. 
what is a Sabbath? Well, Wearsby said that it was a cherished uh, time by Jews as a sacred institution. The roots of Sabbath go all the way back to when God created the heavens and the earth. After six days, He rested, He Sabbathed. And then after the Israelites were released out of Egypt, the Ten Commandments came. And within the Ten Commandments, one of the ten relate to Sabbath. In fact, turn with me to in your Bibles uh, to Exodus chapter 20. And I realize some of you are only bringing uh, this copy, so you can look on the screen. But in, in Exodus chapter 20, we have the Ten Commandments. In verse number 8 is the fourth commandment. And this is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is key. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither of you, nor your sons or daughters, nor your males or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all of that it was in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's pretty clear that according to Scripture, according to the Ten Commandments, this was something established for God's people. It was a special sign between Israel and Jehovah God. And it wasn't observed to gain some sort of favor with God or merit. It was a sign that the people belonged to God, to the true God, the creator of the world, again, who created in six days and rested on the seventh. And in our story that we, we've just read a few moments ago, Jesus, it's kind of crazy, catches you off guard, he openly violates Sabbath tradition. But it wasn't the first time that Jesus had done that. In John chapter 5, you can study it later, you can jot it down, Look it up later. There was a story, and that most believe that this was the first time Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He heals a man after 38 years who had suffered. And then in the timeline of Jesus on this earth and in his ministry, right after that, this, this uh, instance happens, and it's recorded in Mark chapter 2. You say, well, what's the big deal? The disciples were walking through a grain field, Right? They take some grain in their hands. They they uh, they you know mess it up and and to, to get the good stuff to eat, right? And what was the big deal was that that uh, they were when they by doing that it broke one of the Sabbath rules of work, and it was like declaring war against the religious establishment. Sabbath, one of the Ten Commandments. See in Jewish tradition. There was not only one commandment about Sabbath. When you look through here, there's a whole section, 39 different acts that were strictly forbidden on the Sabbath. So not only just work, but things like kindling a fire to make uh, for, for cooking, or to gather fuel, or to carry a burden, or to transact any kind of business. What kind of caught my mind is one of them was to, you couldn't travel more than 200 cubits. You say, well, well, how long is a cubit? Well, today is a special day. It's football day. It's like the 
Easter of football, right? Um, uh, who are, who's going to be watching the Super Bowl tonight, all right? All right, so tonight, I want to just, you know, bring a tie to tonight, 6 o'clock, the game is on. The, the uh, field is 100, what? 100 yards. Well, two cubits is just shy of a football field length. And so people were not supposed to travel from their homes more than 100 yards. Isn't that crazy? It was so they could stay home, they could rest, and you put all of these rules, these 39 things. Wearsby says that the Sabbath day had become a crushing burden, a symbol of religious bondage. And so it started in John chapter 5, in that story, there was Sabbath defiance. And now the disciples are walking through the field. And by the way, it, wasn't, it was not illegal to take from a neighbor's uh, grain or from their fruit if you were passing through. That was understood. What were the Pharisees upset about? They were upset that the disciples worked on the Sabbath. And as you read it, it's not like Jesus comes to their defense. He does not deny that the disciples were out of line with tradition, but what Jesus does is he pleads special circumstance and scriptural precedent. And in Mark's gospel, it's described that Jesus puts himself on par with King David. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, I want you to write that down in the side. You can go and look at that story. We see a story of King David before he was king. He was already anointed, but he was not enthroned yet. But David was on a secret mission with his men. They were out of food. They're coming back into town, but being sneaky about it, they show up in the temple, and the, they ask the priest for some food. There was no ordinary bread, only consecrated bread that was the bread of the presence is what it was called. And that bread was only to be eaten by the law, by the priests. Why would Jesus take that story and relate it to what was happening in the fields and the Pharisees are you know, griping about? It's because the Romans, that was Mark's primary audience, recognized that David was a great hero and David, King David was a great king. And so what Jesus is saying here, when you look at the context, Jesus is saying that he is the true king. Isn't that beautiful? It's marked by God, just like David was. He had not been recognized yet as king, just like David hadn't been. He had not been enthroned, like, just like David wasn't. But you have to see that it was 100% a messianic proclamation. That Jesus was Lord, King, Messiah, Savior. And we see that. In verse 28, let's look at it again. Verse 28, it shows it. It says, so the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, yes, this is a story of Sabbath. It's a comment on Sabbath, but a big answer to answer our question, who is Jesus? In a, what kind of authority did he have? Jesus is the Messiah. He is the true representative. He, it's a coded messianic uh, claim. And a new day is dawning, a new light. And certainly uh, it, it answers this question, who is Jesus? I love that. Just let that sink in, that Jesus is the King. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. 
He's the one that we can put our hope and our trust in. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? But there was something else that captured my mind this week as I studied and really touched my heart. It was verse 27 that says, The Sabbath was made for man. And the big takeaway for today, in my, what I believe the Lord has impressed on my heart for us, is to, everyone say it with me, take the day off. Take a day off. We need that in our lives. And as we think about taking a day off, and we think about Jesus explaining this, that the Sabbath was made for us, for man, my mind went to the idea that parents know best. How many parents in the room? Just give me a little shout. Give me a little high five in the air. All right. We got lots of parents here. You know, we know, I'm a parent as well, that, that there are times you have to make your kids go to sleep because it's what? Good for them, right? Or you have to limit the amount of candy. Otherwise, they will never go to sleep, right? Or you have to limit their spending. Or you have to help them with their schoolwork. Or you have to get them to church sometimes. And I, I, I know how that goes. And we parents know best, don't they? I was talking with Logan yesterday. And uh, my Logan, he's on the second row here. And I, and I was saying, I was working on this at the table. And I said, hey, Logan, can you think of a time when, when you wanted to do something, but we didn't allow you because we knew better? And he's like, I can't think of anything specifically other than the fact that that happens all the time. And I appreciate <laughs> Logan saying that. And it's true. Parents know best. And so get your mind around the idea that our Heavenly Father, who knows best, right, he modeled Sabbath. He commanded Sabbath because it's good for us. And if you observe Sabbath, Sabbath rest, there are benefits. There are positive things that come into our lives. There are positives in Sabbath. And part of that is engaging with our Heavenly Father, worshiping, de delighting in God. It's part of, should be a part of our weekly rhythm to spend time in the presence of God. We should also remember the resurrection on a regular basis. And we should be honoring God for who He is when we Sabbath. Now on the real practical side, rest our bodies need rest. And all the, all the moms in the room said, amen, thank you. I know, I know how it is. I mean, I'm not a mom, but I understand. I've seen Jessica. So our bodies need rest. But more than that, our spirits need replenishment. Our souls need to delight in God. That's all wrapped up in this idea of Sabbath and rest. In other words, we need to take a day and take a day off. And if we don't, I've understood and studying this, and that there are some negatives to Sabbath, that if we don't observe these things, one, uh, one commentator, Wayne uh, Mueller, said this, if we don't allow for a rhythm of rest or Sabbath in our overly busy lives, what does he say? He says, illness becomes our Sabbath. And I know that's bold. He goes on to say, he says, our pneumonia, our cancer, our heart attack, our accidents create Sabbath for us. 
And I know that's heavy. But the idea is if you work, 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 work without a stop, how many know you will lose your joy? You will lose sight of the people around you. You will lose time for relationships. You will eventually lose your health. The point is not that we don't work. No, we work like mad six days, but then we must rest. We must Sabbath. In fact, if we don't Sabbath, Sabbath will be imposed on us. That's a heavy idea. I get it. But it wasn't in just one place that I found that idea. As I continued to study throughout the week, I kept on coming back, and there were more examples of pastors and commentators echoing this very idea. And the more I sat with this, and I'll share in a minute, I've experienced the reality of this. Look, if we don't rest, we will lose our way. If we don't rest, we will miss our compass points that keep us on track. If we don't rest, we will miss the quiet that gives us wisdom. And the reason is because we were never intended to go, go, go. We are not machines. And the truth is there's an absolutely a diminishing effect that happens. How many have ever been frustrated, ever been fatigued, right? How many of you have ever been like I have, where you start making bad decisions and, and you've, you know, you've missed details or different things? When there's this diminishing effect with your kids or with your spouse or with friends or at work or at school, what happens when you have not rested properly, you've not Sabbath? Uh, the truth is, is that the issue is you. You can't blame anyone else. And what God is saying is that you, when that happens, is you have separated yourself from your source of strength. You've exceeded the God limit uh, that has been given by neglecting the seventh day. The truth in God's word is that Sabbath was made for man. And because of that, I can say as your pastor, take a day off. Do it. Now, my story, if you, some of you know me better than others, I really struggle with this commandment. There was a moment in my history about five years ago, we were raising funds to build this. It was before we broke ground. And I ended up with shingles. Painful. I hated it. And I was like, what in the world? I was flat on my back for like five days. And during that season, a good friend of mine uh, called me up and said, hey, I want to come over. And, and I'm like, sure. He says, I feel like I have a word from the Lord for you. And I've shared this story before. Some of you, you have to bear with me, those of you that heard. And he, as he said, and I'm like, no, no, I don't want to hear any words from the Lord. I was mad. I had shingles. And it was all on my back. And then it was on like my face. And like, it was painful. It was really, really bad. And what happened, he comes in and he says, hey, there's two things I feel like the Lord's called. Number one, you don't listen to your wife well. And I was like, 
You might be right. <laughs> and, uh, and so I've, I've worked on that. The other thing he says is you do not rest well. And I needed to hear that at that moment. And what's crazy is after uh, first service, I'm, I'm sharing. Uh, you know, I shared first service and people that were here, they're saying, man, I needed to hear this message again. Because there's seasons you might do this in, in Sabbath well, but then you kind of go back to old patterns and different things. Today is a day of new beginning. And we're going to start over. And, and I struggle just like many of you, to stop. Some of you, it's funny, you'll say, oh, you know, pastors, you know, they only work one day a week. Well, that's not true, right? And, uh, and my rest day is not Sunday, so I need to find a different day. Friday has been that day, and I can honestly say the last two Fridays, I have Sabbath rested, and it's been glorious. And, and normally I end up working on Friday, my day off, or at least for a little bit. And, uh, and I must, I need to honor this as just like many of you need to do it as well. And I need to repent because it's, I've broken the command to Sabbath. We need in our lives to honor the rhythms that God has put in place. So when you work, you rest. When there's fruitfulness, there needs to be a season of dormancy. When there's a season of giving, then there needs to be a season of, receive, of receiving, giving and receiving. When there's a season of being, then there needs to be a season of doing. See the rhythm? Pastor Bobby sent me a note this week. He knew what I was preaching on. He says, what about this? He says, if you work a lot, you need Sabbath or rest. If you're always around people, you need some solitude. If you're always alone, you need community. If you're always making rash decisions, you need contemplation. The idea here is there's rhythms, and you need to understand where you are on the journey. And Sabbath, rest, is a part of that. It's a grace principle. That is for you and for me. There's cycles of grace. And because of that cycles of grace, we can take a day off and we can do it with confidence. And we can know. Now listen, this week is a very practical message. I understand that. And we want to give practical application, practical takeaways. And I, I want us just to kind of get our mind around um, this idea of Sabbath rest. And when I was studying, I was thinking of people that do not honor the Sabbath very well. And I kept on thinking of people, and I almost was like, I'm going to make some phone calls. And if I could get them to do it, you know, and, and to acknowledge or to, to try for a month or whatever. And then I, and, and you know what the Lord just did? He said, no, no, no. I want you to think about yourself. And I want you, don't think about the person you're sitting next to, and don't be nudging them like, you need this. You know, pay attention. How are you doing with the Sabbath principle? See, the Sabbath principle, it can seem old school, can it? How many of you, you know, the, the Kanye West song, it, it talks about clothes on Sunday, you're my Chick-fil-A, right? If, I don't know if you caught that. How many of you have ever, just be honest with me, you've ever been in Holland or in Grand Rapids or somewhere else, and you're hungry on a Sunday, and you're thinking, oh, Chick-fil-A, and you forget that it's Sunday. You pull into Chick-fil-A. It's like the only time there's no cars, and you're like, shoot. Has anyone ever done that? Thank you. Yes, so, so have we. And it's almost like an irritation, like, 
Who are they to close on Sunday? How many can remember way back? I can't. I've heard that, that way back in the day, everything was closed on Sunday, right? And so it can seem old-fashioned. It can almost seem legalistic. And certainly the tradition can, can turn that way. But where is it in your life that you need some correction, some course correction around the Sabbath principle? And what we want to do today is give you some application to say, you know what, we can do this. And Sabbath is more than just taking a nap. Next week we're going to do a second part for Sabbath because it's such an important topic, and we'll, we'll look at some more. But one of the things we're going to talk about next week is that it's, it's more about being in the presence of God. It's resting in the Lord. And we wanted to create some time in our services today to do just that. The team, if you guys can come, I want to tell you a quick story. A couple months ago, I was working with a gentleman that is in our church. He's a business owner, successful. The Lord has really blessed his business and his time. And, uh, but he was going through some difficult things, and he was struggling with some addiction, and he started struggling in, in some other areas. And I knew, almost since I'd known this man, he worked seven days a week. He'd come to church, and then he'd go back to the office, go back to work. And it was affecting him uh, spiritually. It was affecting him uh, emotionally. His body was, was uh, taking a toll, and uh, his relationships. And, I mean, it was, he was not in a good space a couple, week, or a couple months ago. And I really felt, as I met with him and actually met with some of his family, and we started praying for some solutions, I, we prayed, and, and the Lord really impressed on me to encourage him at that time that you cannot work on Sunday. You've got to turn it off. And he's been doing that for about two months now. And this week, I chatted with him, and I said, hey, brother, I said, how, how are things going? Are you still doing that? He said, yeah, I haven't worked on a Sunday in two months. And he said, and he said it's amazing. My body feels better. I, I feel better all over. And, and he said, but it's more than just taking a nap on Sunday. He said what the Lord had revealed to him was increasing his time in the presence of God. In fact, the words that he used, he said, I've learned in a greater way to rest in the presence of God. And when he said that, I'm like, oh, that's what I desire for every single one of us. I desire that in my own life, that we would realize that Sabbath is a grace principle to be rejuvenated, to be full of the Holy Ghost, to be able to hit it again for six days. And this morning, what I'm going to ask us to do, we're going to turn this place into a just a place where we can meet God. And we're going to start by standing. And so I'm just going to ask that you all stand from front to the back. And then after we get into this, uh, Pastor Bobby's going to lead us here for a little bit. You may want to slip out and uh, join, us, join us at the altar. You could turn and kneel at your chair. You could go to the aisle way. You could pace and, and, and pray. Or, or just be free. We just want you to enjoy the presence of God. Let this be a grace of God just flowing over you. And my guess is that my friend 
the business owner I was mentioning is not the only one in the room that needs to confess, to repent for breaking the Sabbath. Not only he needed to, I need to at times. And you may need to as well. And so this perfect song, say, I'm sorry, and Lord, help us. So let's just be in this presence, Lord. Lord, we come before you now. We're asking, Lord, that you would just be with us. Lord, let your presence fill this place from front to the back. Lord, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord. convinced that we need this more than we could ever imagine. We must rest in his presence. One out of seven. If you work on Sundays or you miss Sundays, you need to find another day to be in the presence of God. To be filled up. If you're enjoying what's happening here, I encourage you to come on out on Wednesday nights. We're praying and we're in the presence and lingering and it's incredible. We do that in the kids' room while the youth are meeting. There's opportunities for you to be in the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but I've got a hunger and a thirst to do just this to be in His presence, to know that He's with us. What I'd like to do is to not have a formal closing today. The Lord, He's going to go with you, before you, behind you, and all around you as you leave here. You take this presence with you. Next week, we're going to talk about the night, some other components of Sabbath that will be fun. You know, certainly we'll take some time with that. But for today, know that when you Take some time in His presence. You will never be disappointed. Never be disappointed. And so what we're going to do is the team is just going to continue to play. We understand at some point we have to leave. At some point the game's going to be on today, right? You'll play to 6 o'clock, right? And that's it. 6 o'clock, we're cutting it off. No, I'm just kidding. we got lots of time. But uh, I just want to pray a blessing over us as God's people. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, I pray a blessing over each one that's here. Lord, that you would just cover us, fill us up, help us to be ready for another six days. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to honor you. And as we do, as we honor rest and Sabbath in our lives, just like the Israelites, they were set apart. It was a, a sign that they belonged to Jehovah God. I pray that it will be a sign to our neighbors, a sign to our co-workers, a sign to our, our families. That we take it serious to honor the Sabbath, to keep it holy. We pray this in Jesus' name.
There's no formal dismissal. We'll keep the doors closed. And if you do have to leave, make sure you just wait till you're out in the lobby to talk. Just to continue to rest in his presence. At some point, you ought to pick up your kids too if you got kids. But that's just a side note. We love you. Thank you for being here. Praise and worship team, continue to lead us as you see fit. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.